0: At first glance, one may think that Lydia Finette could be the most confident woman in the world. She is the leading charity auctioneer in the world, raising over a billion dollars for over 800 organizations. She's been on the Today Show, in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Vogue, Vanity Fair. She's even got an upcoming Netflix series around her first book, The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You. Oh, and she's the host of the Claim Your Confidence podcast, and a wife, and a mom of three. But beneath the shiny surface, Lydia has had her fair share of failures and fully believes that confidence is an inside job, a learned process that literally anyone can manage. Yep, even you. Today on Thrive, we talk about building confidence from nothing, taking failures in stride, and powering through with genuine positivity. Lydia also shares her foolproof strike method for getting a quick burst of real confidence in real time and the full lowdown on imposter syndrome and how to kick it to the curb for good. Stay tuned through this episode. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome, Lydia.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here.
0: Yay. We are so honored to have you on here for Really a cool girl chat on confidence because you are like the leading lady on the subject, which is really exciting. You're the host of the Claim Your Confidence podcast. You're the leading charity auctioneer in the world, raising over a billion dollars for over 800 organizations, which is, I mean, it collapse all around. That is incredible. You've been on the Today Show, in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Vogue, Vanity Fair. You've got an upcoming Netflix series on your previous book. I mean, damn. (laughs) Oh, and you're also a (laughs) wife and a mom. So let's not forget that. But can you fill in the gaps here for us and maybe give us a peek behind the scenes of who you are behind the very shiny surface? Since that resume is like the most impressive resume we've ever seen.
1: It is funny. I do often think when people are reading the resume and listening, I'm like, that sounds amazing. That woman is killing it. (laughs) And then it's funny (laughs) to actually think wow, those are accomplishments that have happened. But of course, I've been doing this for over two decades. So all of these accomplishments have come as a result of many years of hard work. And as you alluded to, I'm an auctioneer. I would say that is my passion above all else. I became a charity auctioneer at Christie's Auction House when I was 24 years old. I was a young woman doing a job that really wasn't meant for young women at the time. It was Very male, mostly British, definitely older. And I tried out in the sort of survivor type tryouts where you get thrown into a room with 20 people and they cut people every single day. And I just kept making it day after day. And I remember thinking the last day, wow, I really have a shot at this. And when they passed me, they said, you know, we don't really know what to do with you because you don't look like an auctioneer, which was true at the time. I did not look like an auctioneer, but we'll just send you to the auctions that nobody else wants to take. And when I was 24 years old and I was living in New York, I didn't really know that many people. Charity auctions take place late at night at these big galas with all these celebrities. And I was sort of like, yeah, send me wherever you want me. I'll go, I will go wherever I will get on any stage. And I did. And it started out where I would take, you know, 30, 40 auctions. Then it was 50, 60. And it eventually got to the point after the first decade, I was taking 100 auctions after work every single night. So I like, Such a funny progression i would be at my desk all day and then i ran events and was in the events department when i was younger so i would change into a cocktail dress kind of like a superwoman change and leave my office at eight o'clock at night to go somewhere in new york city to get on stage for an auction and then go meet my friends for dinner afterwards and i did it for so long even as we were speaking before the podcast about children i did it pregnant i did it where i would go home between when i finished a, a sort of work assignment put my babies to bed and then go back out. So it's always been this really fun side job that turned into something that was such a passion that it's now what I do full-time.
0: Okay, so how did you first get into that? Because that feels like such a random thing to come across and then be like, wow, I love this. This is my passion, let's go for it. So I love that. Were you like always at auctions as a kid or like where did this first stem?
1: Not at all. I read an article when I was in college in Vanity Fair about Princess Diana's dresses being auctioned off at this magical place called Christie's and the funny thing is when I tell people that a lot of people remember that or they've seen the article or they just somehow know about this this article or this piece in Vanity Fair Um, there was a very famous photograph of Princess Diana with that beautiful tiara and a gorgeous dress in the front and all of her dress has been auctioned off for charity And I remember being intrigued by this place called Christie's. And I'll be honest, Erica, I really wanted it to be what it was in the article, which was this mystical place called Christie's where the women dressed up and they got to travel around the world and they auctioned things off. And in the the piece, it was always this man in a black tie, you know, he was in black tie up there, but there were women around that. There were women who were as part of the backdrop of that engine doing what they were supposed to be doing on a a daily day-to-day basis which looked very glamorous to me as a reader and it just captured my imagination and so i started basically stalking the internship coordinator and i grew up in louisiana you know new york city internships were not on my radar and i didn't realize that they were things that people had planned 11 months in advance and so i started calling for a june internship in april and this sweet woman mary Libby, who i came to know very well after this just sort of kept laughing at me, sort of why are you calling me this internship program closed in January? And I just refused to let her say no. And I kept asking in different ways. And finally, I asked the right question, which was, why do you cap the internship program? Everyone's doing it for free, right? And she said, yes, but everyone has to go to museums then twice a week. All the interns go to museums twice a week. So, They can only take 15 people per group, so we can only have 30 people. And I said, Well, I don't have to go to the museums. (laughs) Obviously, as you've heard, my interest was more in the sort of surroundings of Christie's, not in visiting a museum. So I said, I don't have to go to a museum. I can just stay and do all the work that the other interns aren't doing. And that was finally what made her say, Okay, fine, just, you know what, you can do a modified internship. (laughs) I remember the words modified internship, and you will come and you won't do any of the museums unless anyone else can. And of course, everyone was in college, so the people generally missed a lot of internship days and I would sort of slide into those museums and that was really my first introduction into seeing auctions real time and then I started in events after my internship I was hired out of my internship and the events department was responsible for accompanying the auctioneers to the charity galas to take down the bids as people were bidding because at charity galas there could be a thousand people in the room and you need people to help you when you're on stage because there are blind spots, there are people talking and eating, and so you need what we call bid spotters. And I was one of those bid spotters. And I remember standing at the Elton John AIDS Foundation, no, sorry, excuse me, at the Breast Cancer Research Foundation watching one of our auctioneers up there. And I remember distinctly thinking to myself, that's what I wanna do. That is what I wanna do. And I And I think I could be good at it. And I wasn't at the beginning, but I became very good at it through practice.
0: Yeah. So then did you go home and immediately started talking really quickly to yourself in the mirror, like <laughs> thing to nail down, to nail yes, it down. Yes, that's
1: exactly what I do every single night. Just chat, chat, chat. <laughs> no, I, I actually just started going as a bid spotter to so many auctions and yeah. I can, and then at some point they let you as a bid clerk stand next to the auctioneer on stage to help spot from the stage. And I definitely remember being on stage thinking, okay, this is what I could do. And at one point there was one auctioneer who He was Swiss and he didn't have a great sense of humor, but he wanted to have a great sense of humor. So I would slide him jokes (laughs) while he was up there. Um, And I realized even at that early stage that humor was going to be an important part of my auctioneering if I ever got that opportunity. And it certainly has become a huge part of what I do. I think humor is the easiest way to sell, the easiest way to get people to pay attention to you when they don't really want to, which is what charity auctioneering is about.
0: That's awesome. So, were you always a confident person too, like as a child? Or do you think this was really something that was a learned process for you over time as you honed your focus and kind of had a clearer vision for what you wanted for yourself?
1: That's really what my entire second book, Claim Your Confidence, is about. I think it is a learned skill that we can use over the course of our life and we can really challenge ourselves to use making ourselves stronger and more confident as we go so many people opt out of trying things that make them uncomfortable or going and doing things that don't make them feel great simply because they think that they won't be able to do it or if they do it'll be a horrible to experience but what i've learned over the years and really a lot of it was learned through charity auctioneering i have to get on those stages night after night whether or not it went well the night before and each time i would learn okay I took an auction. There was no microphone. It was horrible. I mean, if you can imagine 300 people talking for an hour and a half, completely ignoring me and no one bidding, that was an early auction for me. But what did I learn? The next time I went back five years, six years later, two years later, however many years it was later, and there was no microphone, I'd already been through that before. So I knew what to expect. I knew how to course correct. And you know, I say in the book that's happened to me nine times since that first time. And now I don't think anything of it because I've learned to expect the unexpected. I've learned that nothing when I get on stage is ever gonna go the way I want it to. And that for me has been such a learning process over the course of my life. In the last chapter of my book, I talk about this car accident that my family had in October of 2021. And one of my greatest lessons learned and really about confidence since that accident has been, you know. I had a spinal fusion. I mean, my spine was fractured. It had to be repaired. I have a rod in the bottom part of my back. It's scary to try things that I used to do. It's scary to ski, which is something that I always love to do. And I did it for the first time in December. And guess what? It was fine. And each time that happens, I think to myself, okay, try something else. Because you're scared of it. It may not hurt. It may hurt, but you'll know. You'll know immediately and you can stop. And then once I do it on the other side of it,